0: Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald podcast. I'm your host, John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. And if you don't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the largest African American newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area. And today I have my co-host with me, media consultant of the Cincinnati Herald, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea?
1: Hey, John, how are you doing today? It was a fabulous day.
0: Yes, yes it is. So let's head to some of the top news topics of the week. And our first topic is about Ahmad Arbery. The U.S. Justice Department has indicted three men on federal hate crime charges in the death of Ahmad Arbery in Georgia. On Wednesday, a federal grand jury charged Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, William Rody Bryan with hate crimes and the attempted kidnapping of Arbery, who was killed while out for a run last year. All three were charged with one count of interference with rights and one count of attempted kidnapping. The McMichaels were also charged with using, carrying and brandishing a firearm during a crime of violence. Andrea, your thoughts on this topic?
1: I'm not surprised, but I'm, quite, I'm happily glad to see that there is some federal involvement in the case because it, I think it sends a message to everyone, the seriousness of what they did what makes think people think they can get away with this stuff in this day and age is unreal. Just because someone is different and running in your neighborhood does not mean it gives you liberty to threaten their life. This world is changing and evolving, um, but the days of white flight and segregated neighborhoods are done. It's over and done with. I mean, it, it's people are moving in where they can afford to live, uh, whether, you know, despite, whatever economic status, the fact that Aubrey was out for a run, what he did normally, he was following his routine. And these guys came out of nowhere and did what they did to him. is totally unacceptable, but I'm glad the federal government charged him. I think this is a nice change of pace for the federal government because now they're doing their duty. Than the last past four years where they placated and let another train of thought Run the government, and this, uh, you know, just didn't take in human lives. And unfortunately, you know, the government of the past was more like one certain life was better than others, and it's not true. So I think we're getting back with this grand jury indictment. We're getting back to yes, we can trust the powers that be once again to take care of the wrongs that are in the community. Is, is the best way to say it.
0: Yeah. Um... I completely agree with that. I'm just glad uh, justice is being done because as we've seen so many times, justice has not been served. I mean, it was, was recently with George Floyd and, and now with Ahmad, and I'm hoping that this trend actually, um, actually continues.
1: Well, I, I think it's, it's a message that everyday people, whether it's a person of authority or the everyday working guy, Just because you like, don't like someone does not give you the right to kill them. It doesn't give you the right to to stop them. It doesn't give you the right to um, say, hey, you don't belong here. It doesn't give you the right. Because at the end of the day, it's about respect of people, respect of life. And we all have the right to run, breathe, walk, shop wherever we can because our money is just as good as theirs.
0: Exactly. I couldn't understand it better myself. Okay, so moving on to our next topic, which is about the Oscars. This past Sunday at the 93rd Academy Awards, the production was reimagined due to the pandemic, but there were still many historic wins. The Best Picture Award went to Nomadland, which was directed by Chloe Zhao, who also won Best Director for that film. Zhao became the first Asian woman to win the award and is only the second woman to win the Best Directing Award. Daniel Kaluuya won for Best Supporting Actor for his work in the movie Judas and the Black Messiah. In that film, he portrayed the Black Panther leader, Fred Hampton. Yoon Jung-yao won Best Supporting Actress for Minari and is the first Korean actress to win that award. And then H.E.R won Best Original Song for Fight For You, which was also and Judas in the Black Messiah, Two Distant Strangers, directed by uh, Trevon Free and Martin Desmond Rowe, a film that examines the deaths of Black Americans during encounters with police through the eyes of a character trapped in a time loop that keeps ending in his death, won Best Live Action Short. However, the big shocker of the night is that Best Actor went to Sir Anthony Hawkins. Many have favored Chadwick Boseman to win the award posthumously with his final performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Andrea, have you seen any of these movies and um, your thoughts on the outcome of the Oscars?
1: I, I'm still catching up on all of my movie watching. And, but I've seen, I've had people tell me about Ma Rainey. Um, people loved Boseman's, um, Chadwick Boseman's. Acting ability, they they claim that he carried the movie. They some people said Viola Davis was fantastic. Some said no, it was, it was not the right fit for her. Um, I think overall they walked away very thinking of the movie in a very good spot. Um, no Man Land. I've seen the trailers. I haven't had yet to see the film. Everyone talked about Chadwick Boseman. He's been honored here and there. You know the fact that he had cancer he was fighting cancer while he made that film and everything else he was a champion he was a hero and but the Oscars did what they do best. They hold up their champions on one hand and then they do they go back to their safe space on the other hand. And I think that's what happened. I mean also if you notice through even though the, the Oscar show, was very much of color to appease for them, you know, being oh so white for so, for so many years and very inclusive in everything that they did, it's still the outcome is the voters. The majority of the voters of the Oscars still remain white, not of color. So even though we expected this outcome, we got this outcome. Now, then again, it is Anthony Hopkins. I'm sorry. But I'm an Anthony Hopkins fan as much as I am a Chad Chadwick Boseman fan, and at the end of the day, you had two good weights competing against each other, and everybody went with Anthony at the end of the day. And you know that's a safe space. Again, throughout the whole Oscars, it was a safe space. There were a lot more foreign films nominated in regular um, in regular spaces than ever before. Normally, foreign films are kept to. The form film section, not this time because of the lack of films being introduced last year. They did not have as many interests, so that weight again was teetering. Even though they went one way at the end of the day, and it went its safe way. So, and I think that's what we said about the Oscars.
0: That's that's a good that's a good perspective. And I also want to add though that this. Um this best actor feel this year was like the most diverse I've seen in a long time because, you know, you had Sir Anthony Hawkins and you had Gary Oldman, you know, two, um, you know, two white British men, but you also had um, Stephen Yoon, who's Korean, and then you had Chadwick Boseman, obviously, he's Black, and then you also had Riz Ahmed, who is a uh, Muslim. So I have to say, this is, um, it was quite, um, it was quite diverse this year, and to be honest, like, all, for, all five of those performances were great. So I could see, you know, I wouldn't have been upset if any of these actors won. But, but you know, like I said, but you know what? It's like they had to reward on, you know, the best performance. But I think what kind of turns some people off, you know, as a person who watches the Oscars every year, they switched categories a lot this year. So they ended with best actor, Yeah. normally they end with best picture so so when they ended the show with best actor I'm assuming the producers just thought Chadwick Boseman had in the bag and that he was going to win and that his widow was going to be up there and accept his award and everything but it didn't happen because Anthony Hawkins you know was in Wales and you know I guess he figured he wasn't coming you know to a ceremony during a pandemic especially when the man's 83 years old so (laughs) you know so the award you know it kind of ended on a the the whole show kind of ended on a whimper and you know they they took a swing and you know they uh they gambled and you know they didn't get it but
1: you know what i like the fact even though the, the guy we wanted to win didn't win i like the fact that they stepped out of their comfort zone and did it differently because yeah. they always end with the best picture mm-hmm. and the balloons come down or whatever, you know, I'm right. being dramatic. But right. I like the fact that it was different. And, you know, and it was Joaquin Phoenix accepting for Anthony Hopkins, who was asleep in Wales, <laughs> uh, who didn't even know he won, you know? And, and I'm like, but you, but, you know, again, with live TV, this will happen. Yeah, and everyone assumed it was gonna be this way, and it wasn't. But you know what the highlight of the night was? What was that? It was um, Glenn Close doing the debate. <laughs> oh yeah. in that purple, was it purple or blue? Blue blue sequin dress.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: you know, just naming everybody. And it was like, oh, come on, it was the butt. And then she got up and did it. I was like, you know, there are now memes across the platform now of her doing the butt. And I was like, oh my God, that was the highlight. So you know what? That just shows who all was watching, who all can react. And you can't judge a book by its cover because who would have thought Glenn Close was going to do that? So I think even though it ended on a whimper, I think there were several great moments throughout this new show that made it better than what it was before.
0: Okay, so moving on to our next topic, which is about Andrew Brown Jr. An independent autopsy conducted by a group representing the family of Andrew Brown Jr. has determined that he was shot five times by police, including a fatal gunshot wound to the back of his head. In a press conference Tuesday, lawyers for Brown's family said he was shot four times in the arm before officers fired the fatal shot. That fatal shot entered his skull near the base of his neck and lodged in his brain. Lawyers said Brown died last Wednesday within minutes of the fatal gunshot wound. In a press conference Monday, conducted shortly after family members and lawyers reviewed body camera footage of the shooting, attorneys referred to Brown's death as an execution. And earlier this earlier today, actually, within a couple hours before we record this, uh, according to CNN, a judge allowed on, um, <clears throat> Andrew Brown's Jr.'s family to view more body camera footage, but blocks it from public release. Um, Andrea, what are your thoughts on this story?
1: I'm, you know, I, I've I've watched both press conferences so far that were held for the family, and I'm just shocked by this. I'm shocked, you know, you're shocked and you're not shocked. Um, I guess that's the best way to put it because it is, I'm sorry that this happened again. You know, you would think America would learn you think police officers would learn. Just do what you're trained to do. Don't deviate. Don't, you know, but we don't know what happened in this case. All we know is the results of what the family has put out No one in authority is talking. The judge is the first person who ruled today. The judge is the first person to sort of say something in this case outside of the family and the attorneys. And I think it's, you know, having not hear from the police department, having not hear from the prosecutor's office, but knowing that seven people who were involved in this case are either on suspension or retired. That tells you right then and there, they don't know what to do or they're trying to figure out the best way to wiggle out of it. Um, or I shouldn't, you know what, step at. I shouldn't say wiggle out of it. I should say, I think they're caught up in a circumstance that they don't know what to do because they're damned that they do, damned if they don't, they're damned if they say something, damned if they don't say something. But they have not even come out and acknowledge What has occurred, no one in leadership of the government itself has not said anything. The lack of information, the lack of even acknowledgement of the case is more damning than what the family and the lawyers have revealed. And I think on the side of the PR, the city is losing. I think, you know, the longer they wait to say something, the more people are going to say they're covering it up. The fact that the judge allowed the family to see more of the video, that's a good thing. But at the same time, we don't know if that's the true video. You know, they're in control of the, of the evidence. They're in control of everything. And I think at the end of the day, if, if you are a leader of a city in this situation, if you don't speak, stand up and speak, less of what you say is more damning than what you do say.
0: It's true. So true. And moving on to our next topic, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or also known as the CDC, announced Tuesday that fully vaccinated Americans can resume some outdoor activities without wearing masks. During a COVID-19 briefing, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said that science shows that those who are fully vaccinated against the coronavirus can safely attend small outdoor gatherings or dine at an outdoor restaurant without face coverings. Walensky said the CDC is still recommending that you wear a mask while at large outdoor gatherings, like sporting events. She said masks should be worn at those large events due to an inability to distinguish between vaccinated and unvaccinated people and to protect those who are not yet vaccinated. She's also said the CDC still recommends masks for fully vaccinated people while indoors. Andrea, your thoughts on this topic?
1: I'm happy, you know, as, a, as, as someone who, um, who's fully vaccinated, there's a sense of relief. I can get back to, you know, I've been out to a couple of restaurants already um, with a mask on, then take it off, you know, at the table while eating, then put it back on. There's a sense of relief. There's a sense of, I can go see my friends. I can hug my family. Um, I think this is a good thing. I think wearing a mask is gonna be with us for a while. I think that this is just gonna be part of our mainstay um, until we get this in hand and more people are vaccinated. We're gonna have to do this indoors for a while and might even be a requirement for the next three or four years of wearing a mask. If we attend a sporting event or go to the theater or watch a movie or a something, our habits are gonna change, but we're adjusting. And I think the fact that those who are vaccinated will have a sense of freedom to be able to move about. Those who choose not to be vaccinated, they're still gonna be restricted. I mean, I know people who have gotten it and who haven't gotten it. And I understand, You know, they're reluctant, they don't trust it. There's all this mystery around. But at the same time, I think at the end of the day, those who are vaccinated are gonna see a little bit more privilege than those who aren't until we get to the point like the flu shot where it's recommended every year, get the flu shot. And those who don't, don't, but those who do, do. Um, and I think eventually we're gonna get to that moment and it will be fine. But until then, we're gonna live this life of mask or don't mask.
0: Yeah, agreed. And it certainly uh, helps that summer's coming and you know we've had really good weather this week. So it's going to feel amazing not having um, <clears throat> a mask over your face. Just to do the simplest things outdoors, and you know, some places like Kings Island, for example, originally they said you were, you know, you had to wear a mask going to Kings Island, but now you don't need mask going to Kings Island. Only you know, only when you know you go, you know, do inside stuff.
1: I, I would say that I think it's fantastic. If I was going to go to Kings Island, and, and I could didn't have to wear a mask. I think if I got on a ride, mm-hmm. I would put on a mask. Right. Only, even though it's outdoors, but you're still in a, in a closed space with a group of people.
0: Right. And
1: yes. and because of that, or even if I have to stand in line, I'll put a mask on. Right. Um, only because even though we're outdoors, we're going to social distance, the closest, it doesn't take much for you to walk in somebody's space or behind someone after they sneeze and get their germ.
0: That is true. It's yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's, I mean, I like it. I like the fact it's going to be summer. We're going to be free. We're going to be out and about. We're going to be in the parks. We can go to outdoor concerts. We can do what we love. But even if I go to an outdoor concert, I'm putting a mask on. If it's in, like at Riverbend, you know how they have that outdoor space you can sit, yeah, and then you have the where the stage is, the covered area, yeah. If I'm in the covered area, I'm putting a mask on. Oh, why? No. Because there's groups of people in a closed space, even if it's dispersed. I'm gonna put a mask on out of safety, even oh, though yeah. it's error or whatever. But I think everyone has to take the risk, what they're gonna do, what they're gonna feel safe about. And I think that is gonna be refreshing for people compared to last summer, where right. we were closed in, not be able to do anything, run to the store, stay a few minutes and leave. I mean, last summer, all I did is I lived in the grocery store or I lived in a discount store because that's where I could go. And that was it. Right. Um, And I think this year, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a road trip. Oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go to a graduation party. And on Saturday, everyone is vaccinated. We're going to be on a patio. So I think there's going to be this sense of freedom, a sense of, woohoo, yes, we're going to party, you know, but at the same time, we're also going to be like, if we go indoors, mask, you know, it's just about respect. It's about doing what's right. Um and at the end of the day, who's in your bubble? You'll be safe in your bubble. If you go outside your bubble, take precautions. And I think that it, that that's the model of the end of the day. Bubble right. safe, out of bubble, mask. How yeah. hard is that? And then everyone else who choose not to do it, well, God be with you.
0: Yeah. Because that, I mean
1: it's it's a we take a risk every single day because we have a you know cold flu, pneumonia, all the other germs are still out there. Right. But I think because of the hand sanitizer, the new precautions that we have to take and do, I think we're seeing less of the cold germs being shared, less of this being shared. But at the same time, you know, we're taking a risk. But everyone has to live with everyone has to live with what their decisions they make and keep going forward. So.
0: Okay, folks. So we have uh, one final topic to talk about. And actually, we have our uh, Herald intern, Suhana Sinhan, here with us to help talk about it. How are you doing today, Suhana?
2: I'm doing really fine, John. I got my second dose. So I'm feeling really, feeling better, actually. Didn't expect it to be uh, so smooth. Yeah, I'm doing fine.
0: That's good. That's good. Yeah, you're fully vaccinated now. So that's, uh, Mm -hmm. so that's good to hear. Um, And unfortunately, our last topic is uh, not a good one. Um, It is about the rising COVID rates in India. Uh, The COVID-19 death toll in India has topped out at over 200,000 as the country endures its darkest chapter of the pandemic yet. Uh, The health ministry on Wednesday reported 3,293 deaths in the last 24 hours, bringing India's totals to 2,1187. India has the fourth most deaths behind the United States, Brazil, and Mexico. Experts, however, believe the numbers are an undercount. The latest surge in cases has also yet to peak. President Joe Biden said that the U.S. will provide aid to India in the form of medicine and equipment in the coming days. Uh, Suhana, obviously someone who was born and raised in India, um, I want to hear your uh, take on this story.
2: Um, so, John, this news was is not a good news for me because um, sitting here in the United States and seeing that the country you hold your nationality from suffering so immensely uh, feels really terrible it Ma- makes you feel really helpless because last year COVID-19 was just about numbers for us honestly this didn't hit home it didn't come close to the people we knew about until this year when the numbers are out of picture because uh the statistics say that it's not being reported correctly but uh um, many people that we know of are getting infected with COVID-19 plus various new variants makes children symptomatic to it. So it's not a good time in India. I would say that there are four fundamental things that cause this problem right now in India. One is people are extremely greedy that during this time they Many people just made sure that they they are earning enough profits. So, while the rest of the country went out of businesses, can went out of their jobs and not able to get out of their homes, rich made continued to make money. India is very famous for cricket, and we every year hold a such ses- a season called as IPL. When in the middle of all the lockdown, when the whole when people are not allowed to step out of their homes or go to jobs, or even meet their close ones, uh, the government allowed the seasons of IPL, which is one of the biggest money-making uh, cricket tournament in India, where internationally a lot of players participate, and the, that event happened. When people, there's so much hypocrisy in execution of the rules that is going out the third second is the power despite a pandemic cases on rise and india was barely able to getting get, get uh, cases under control uh, the election committee of india released the the dates for election uh, in several other states whereas it should have been considerate of the situation citizens are facing and avoided the ministers who are part who are part of this election committee Sorry, in this whole election process, they sit in front of web cameras wearing masks. But when you go out and you see them doing rallies to garner support, it's so crowded with minimum COVID restrictions and it's scary. This has in such a big term since the Modi government's inception in power been such a stupid case because... People have been flocking out in support of their political parties, and the political rage in India has been crazy since last four years. It has. It, we were India was always politically motivated, but uh, a rage in terms like this was never seen before. Third thing, the which affects the whole case in India is the religion, which uh, the BJP, which is the power, the central ruling party of India currently they have capitalized on this concept so well. Um, and this is not my opinion, but many people in India feel it uh, unanimously. Uh, that is that India had been a country of several religions. We if we have majority population of Hindu, then Muslims, Christianity, uh, Sikhism, Jain, and the list goes on and not Uh, The religions not getting along with each other is almost unconstitutional because the Indian constitution, which was written in 1947, tells us that the secularism and acceptance of each other in the nation that we live in is part of being a good democratic nation. But apart from the religious unharmony that has been going on in the nation, there is also a joke that circulates among so many young people which is um, if you tell i mean this is not what i have done this is what i've heard that when we hear someone saying that they are date an ex person is x hindu person is dating a y muslim person we it's like a running joke that oh the relationship can't happen with, between you both and it's not because we think that uh, any particular religion is lower than the other or we don't believe in harmony between these two but the political environment has become so rotten that it's almost a threat to their lives if they um, decide to be with somebody of different religion especially hindu and muslim in adding to that in COVID scenario uh adding that to the COVID scenario every five years india holds Hindu religious people hold a even call a Kumbh, which is held in the north northern part of India near in the branch of River Ganga, and hundreds of Hindu devotees come there and take dip in the river to it, dip in the river, which somehow says that it washes away your sins. It's every year. It was fine until, despite the COVID waves on high and people barely able able to get the numbers together and finally get a little bit of time to get out of their home they held this kumbh event and so many people got infected with covid-19 it was it was a, it was like mass suicide under the circumstances that the kokum was held the religious partiality doesn't allow other was very strict on other religious religions doing that but uh, the because we were under a Hindu government, probably the permissions to hold the Hindu event happened much smoothly, which is not acceptable in any circumstances. But the visuals, if you go back and see John, the visuals of the political rallies and the kumbh mela are during the COVID times. Uh, it, it is scary. It is truly scary. And uh, I think finally, the the worst thing is foolishness that Indian citizens suffer from. Um, There has been such a hypocrisy in execution of the rules that there are rules for everything, but uh, it is played differently for rich and differently for the poor. When one side rich are uh, taking private jets and getting out of the country to places like Dubai, UK, Maldives, and celebrities getting their vaccines in Maldives despite being, in the country being in lockdown. Poor people have been losing their jobs. You should have seen a year ago that thousands and thousands of migrant workers from the city were walking back to their homes uh, without any resources, but the government decides to hold, to decides to make the rich more richer during this time by holding events like uh, Uh, eye pill and uh, that's not acceptable (laughs) this is really not acceptable finally we even see that celebrities come and endorse on television that hey uh please don't go out stay safe from covid but they themselves go uh for outdoor shootings and get Mm. infected with covid 19 right uh it people have been really stupid in how they take care of the situation. But for the first time, I will say I don't blame the whole major Indian population for this scenario. It's the very poor execution of governments in terms of health infrastructure, in terms of business, in management of the COVID situation, you cannot keep citizens, millions of citizens under lockdown for months and months without a proper plan of how you deliver it. India is also a center of generating hundreds of vaccines for the world, but it, it's, it makes people really disappointed that India was not able to procure some for themselves and not extend it to the citizens properly. Medicines are running out. The infrastructure is falling. Doctors are exhausted. And uh, there have been, we are facing immense shortage of cylinder oxygen cylinders and beds for people. And since last year, nothing has been improved except the uh, leading political figures just come on your screen and come on the rallies and blame each other and promise for a better future, which is very hard to be seen now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't wish this moment to continue, but uh, I I don't think India will be able to recover from the scenario of pandemic. uh, but even by this late 2021 uh, it's we are there is already a huge population to be given uh, covid vaccine and the funny thing that has happened that the website india released where people can go and get registration for vaccination that they're supposed to get on may 1st that website crashed so um. basically it doesn't even allow people to now register for the vaccination anymore so it's a very looming situation, and uh, this was the biggest nightmare for every Indian citizen, uh, because uh, we did we there is a very little faith we have in the government as citizens, and government has time and again have disappointed uh, by um, saying students by blaming students by uh, blaming news channels and. Uh, in the freedom of expression time, this time had been really difficult under the leadership of Narendra Modi. But uh, i my, my, I spoken to my friends in India, they say that Sohana, it was difficult earlier, but we managed. But this time we feel like um, it's almost difficult to survive because now we are suffering from a disease which our government doesn't have enough potential to control. So this is, bodies are lining up. Uh, There is no spot for burying your loved ones and people are uh, cremating, which is burning the bodies in any spot that they can find, maybe on the street, across the street in a small uh, land patch that they find. And uh, it has been a very grim time, John.
0: Yes, that's, um, that's very, very tragic to hear. And uh, my heart goes out to um, every person in India. And I hope you guys, um, I hope everyone makes out the best they can. Um, but folks, that's uh, that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Andrea for coming on. And I also like to thank Sahana for coming on, uh, especially with the uh, last story. Thank you so much for giving us uh, your perspective on the COVID situation in uh, India.
2: Yes, thank you, John. Thank you so much for having us.
0: And um, if you want to make sure to check out the stories we talked about today, check out our website at www.thecincinnatiherald.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreens, Joseph F. Booksellers, and at select service stations. We're also now on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeart Radio, and on TuneIn Radio. Just search for the Cincinnati Herald podcast. Follow us at The Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. Follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Just search for The Herald TV. And you can also find us on our TikTok channel at The Cincinnati Herald. And remember folks to get vaccinated because we're still in the pandemic and we want to reach herd immunity as soon as possible. I'm John Alexander Reese, digital editor of The Cincinnati Herald, and have a good day.